If you got your Bibles, we're going to be in Matthew chapter 21 this morning. And um, before we look at that passage, I'll tell you a little bit about Woodrow Wilson. Um, there was, um, at the conclusion of World War I, um, Woodrow Wilson was an international hero. Um, there was a book that came out early 2000, 2001 on his life. The title of the book was When the Cheering Stopped. At the conclusion of World War I, um, many saw Woodrow Wilson as the man who brought an end to World War I. It was his idea to bring about the, the League of Nations and encourage governments to uh, participate together and uh, maintaining integrity when it came to border issues and things of this. And, uh, and so four years of conflict came to an end, end in 1918. Um, Woodrow Wilson would go overseas, he would go into Europe, and uh, he would be met by throngs of people, and they just adored him. But uh, it wasn't the same here in the United States. When uh, the League of Nations was being ratified in Europe, he was having a difficult time getting the concept passed here in the United States. And that next summer, following the conclusion of World War I, uh, Woodrow Wilson decided that he was going to take a train and go across the United States and convince the American people that Congress needed to ratify uh, this League of Nations agreement. And, uh, and he failed. Congress could not pass it. Uh, he would not compromise with the Republicans and in the fall of 1919, under a great deal of stress, less than a year after World War I, Woodrow Wilson had a stroke. And uh, the rest of his presidency was very limited. And at the conclusion of his second term, the Democrats lost the next election. And shortly after leaving office, Woodrow Wilson passed away. And so he had gone from cheers in 1918 to 1919 and having a stroke and passing away in 1923 or 24, I believe. And, you know, that kind of story is not unfamiliar to people who want to make a difference. Um they will go from cheers and adulation by the people to from being a hero to just uh, uh, being a villain in the end. Oftentimes, that's the case. Not with everybody, but in our passage of Scripture today, and this being Palm Sun Sunday, the very th same thing happened in Jesus' life. But it didn't take a year it only took five days from Jesus going from the cheers on Palm Sunday to jeers on Friday morning, Passover, and listening to the cries of crucify. And so if you have your Bibles, I want us to look at uh, chapter 21, and uh, I want us to see that Palm Sunday and uh, what was happening as Jesus entered Jerusalem.
Now, when they had drew near to Jerusalem and came to Bethpage, to the Mount of Olives, then Jesus sent two disciples, saying to them, Go into the village in front of you, and immediately you will find a donkey tied to a colt with her, and, and a colt with her. Untie them and bring them to me. If anyone says anything to you, you shall say, The Lord needs them, and he will send them at once. This took place to fulfill what was spoken by the prophet, saying, Say to the daughter of Zion, Behold, your king is coming to you, humble and mounted on a donkey, and on a colt, the foal of a beast of a burden. The disciples went and did as Jesus had directed them, and they brought the donkey and the colt and put them put on them their cloaks, and he sat on them. Most of the crowd spread their cloaks on the road, and others cut branches branches from the trees and spread them on the road. And the crowds that went before him and that followed him were shouting, Hosanna to the son of David. Blessed is he who comes in the name of the Lord. Hosanna in the highest. And when he entered Jerusalem, the whole city was stirred up, saying, who is this? And the crowd said, This is the prophet Jesus from Nazareth of Galilee. <clears throat> Here the people of Jerusalem were were crying out Hosanna. Uh, here was here was their Messiah. And uh they had they had dreams of what Jesus was going to do as he as he was entering uh, Jerusalem. Uh, they had seen Jesus do incredible works through his ministry. They had seen Jesus heal heal the lame, bring sight to the blind, uh, feed thousands from one little boy's lunch. They had seen him raise someone from the dead on more than one occasion. They had just seen him raise Lazarus from the dead uh, this spring. And so here was their Messiah, and he was going to do incredible things. And his timing, his timing was so perfect because it was it was the week of Passover. I mean, people had come into the city from all parts of the world, and they were to celebrate what God did in delivering uh, Israel from the hands of Pharaoh back in the Old Testament. It was a time of celebration. And so here comes their Messiah. He's fulfilling Zechariah's prophecy in chapter 9, verse 9. He's, he's riding on the, on the foal of a donkey. And it symbolizes humility. It symbolizes uh, a king coming in peace. And the people are shouting Hosanna, which means save me now. This, this, this was the scene that Jesus came into. And these cheers on Sunday turned into jeers Friday morning. What happened? Now, I'm here to let you know one thing, that God is completely sovereign. He's totally in control. And every event that took place this week was orchestrated by the hand of God. Okay, so so 
things weren't spinning out of control and there wasn't anything Jesus could do about it. No, Jesus knew exactly what was going to happen to him this week. But I do want to point out three things that caused the people to to see Jesus as their Messiah to begin with, but then as they heard him and as they watched him, they thought, this isn't the man I was praising on Sunday morning. This isn't the man who I thought was going to be for me. And they began to shout words of crucify. What were the three things? The first is the fact that Jesus called for commitment. Now, I want you to turn to John chapter 12. John 12, verses 20 through 26. This is Sunday night, okay, in the chronology event of events. John chapter 12, beginning with verse 20. The Bible says, Now among those who went up to worship at the feast were some Greeks. Now, when it says Greeks, and they weren't necessarily Greeks, but they were Gentiles. And they were Gentiles who were God-fearers, who had converted to Judaism. But they wanted to know more about this Jesus. So Scripture says, so, so these came to Philip, who was from Bethsaida in Galilee, and asked him, Sir, we wish to see Jesus. Philip went and told Andrew, and Andrew and Philip, and and Andrew and Philip went and told Jesus. And Jesus answered them, The hour has come for the Son of Man to be glorified. Truly I say to you, unless a grain of wheat falls into the earth and dies, it remains alone. But if it dies, it bears much fruit. Whoever loves his life loses it. And whoever hates his life in this world will keep it for eternal life. If anyone serves me, he must follow me. And where I am, there will my servants be also. If anyone serves me, the Father will honor him. The Greeks wanted to know more about Jesus. And what they found out was if these Greeks were going to follow Jesus, if they were going to be true to their words, Hosanna, then they were going to have to be willing to lose their life so that they might gain eternal life. Jesus was calling for commitment. When, um, when, the, when the throngs on Sunday were screaming, Hosanna. They were screaming. They were calling out Hosanna. God save me now for all the wrong reasons. They weren't thinking about their redemption. They weren't thinking about their forgiveness of sin. The fact that Jesus needed to rule and reign in their life. No, they were crying out to Jesus Hosanna for political reasons. They were tired of Roman occupation. They were tired of being oppressed by their enemies. And Jesus, as their Messiah, was going to set up a political kingdom here on earth. And he was going to rule and reign and put his enemies under their feet. 
And they were shouting Hosanna for all the wrong reasons. They were shouting Hosanna because they had their own agenda. And Jesus is telling these Greeks and and those who are listening to him, if you're going to follow me, you've got to live by my agenda. What God would have you to do in your life. I I guess my question here this morning is, whose agenda are you following? Are you following yours or are you following his? Let me give you a little personal application that happened to me this week. Um, Roland Bucks sent me an email um, Tuesday night, asked if I would uh, go by and, and visit someone who is at Ridgecrest Healthcare that he's been working with um, on, on, for a long time. They've both served in Habitat for Humanity. And uh, this gentleman, John, uh, has never crossed the threshold of faith. He's, he's been a skeptic. Uh, he's had a lot of doubt about Jesus and the Bible, Christianity. But he sent me, Roland sent me an email and said that he wants to talk to, talk to a pastor. And he asked me if I would go. And I sent him an email back, sure, I can go. You know, as I was thinking about my next day, you know, I was, I had this bum knee. And so, uh, I hadn't I hadn't prepared for this message yet, and so I was hoping to take Wednesday to to spend uh, in preparation, and and I really didn't want to get out because I needed to put this neat leg up and give it some rest. But um, we've been going through experiencing God, haven't we? And God was obviously at work in John's life, and this was an invitation for me to get involved. And so Tuesday afternoon I went and uh, spent some time with him. He's had some some major surgeries over the last few years, and uh, he was tired. Uh, he's recovering from this most recent surgery, and he didn't know he wouldn't he didn't know what was going to be around the corner from from for him. And in fact, he wasn't very optimistic. And um, and he needed to pray with a pastor. And we talked about faith. And we talked about how much Jesus he he knows he knows the Bible. His, his father was a Methodist pastor. He's a very intellectual guy. But we talked about the fact that in order to come into God's kingdom, you have to have childlike faith. And he believed. But he still had doubt. And I talked about John the Baptist and the, the father who had the epileptic son, the demon-possessed son. And both, those, both those men doubted. Yet Jesus affirmed their belief. And John was ready to believe. And he prayed that sinner's prayer and he gave his life to Jesus Christ. Um, after the service, eight o'clock service, um, Roland talked to me and he mentioned, well, he had the same experience on Tuesday. He was really tired after work and he had heard that John was in the hospital. He felt like he sensed God was telling Roland to go and see John in the hospital. 
And as tired as Roland was, Roland went. And God used Roland to get hold of me so that John could give his life to Christ on Wednesday. That's people following God's agenda. And church, God's going to do amazing things through you. God's going to use you and you're going to experience him as you listen for his invitation and join him in his activity. Commitment is this. Commitment means that after you have shouted Hosanna, that you pick up your cross and follow him. That you die to yourself and live for him. Karen and Susan are the epitome of commitment, of picking up their cross and following Christ to Togo, Africa, to share the gospel with people who've never heard the name of Jesus. This is what Jesus was conveying to people who had cried Hosanna on Sunday. That if you're going to follow me, it requires your life. You die to yourself and pick up your cross. The second thing we see that week is in Matt, go back to Matthew 21. Matthew 21, this is the next day. This is Monday. Verse 12. And Jesus entered the temple and drove out all who sold and bought in the temple. And he overturned the tables of the money changers and the seats of those who sold pigeons. He said to them, it is written, my house shall be called house of prayer, but you make it a den of robbers. And the blind and the lame came to him in the temple and he healed them. But when the chief priests and the scribes saw the wonderful things that he did and the children crying out in the temple, Hosanna to the son of David, they were indignant. And they said to him, do you hear what these are saying? And Jesus said to them, yes, you have ne- have you never read out of the mouth of infants and nursing babes? You have prepared praise. What's happening here? Jesus went to the temple that morning and he saw the the temple being in, turned into a money market and, and people were making money off the name of God and worshiping God. People would come to the temple and they would buy their sacrifices so that they could sacrifice t- to God. And it was only for people who could afford to do this. And Jesus went in there and he cleaned house. He purified the temple. And guess what happened? Look what happened when he cleaned the temple. And the blind and the lame came to him in the temple and he healed them. What's Jesus saying? Jesus' life is shouting, all people are worth loving. All people are worth loving. There was this huge divide between the haves and the have-nots. 
And if you had it and you could afford it, you could come in to the house of God and offer your sacrifice. But if you were handicapped, if, if you were lame or if you were blind, you were considered unclean and you couldn't come into the temple. And when Jesus purified the temple, the lame and the blind came into the house of God. Look at verses 28 through 32. Jesus shares a parable of two sons. Chapter 21, what do you think? A man had two sons and he went to the first and said, son, go and work in the vineyard today. And he answered, I will not. But afterward, he changed his mind and went. And he went to the other son and said to the, said the same. And he answered, I go, sir, but did not go. Which of the two did the will of his father? They said the first. Jesus said to them, truly, I say to you, tax collectors and prostitutes go into the kingdom of God before you. For John came to you in the way of righteousness, and you did not believe him. But the tax collectors and the prostitutes believed him. And even when you saw it, you did not afterward change your minds and believe him. Who does God love? Who did God invite into his kingdom? The lame, the blind, the tax collector, and the prostitute. I want to be that kind of church. People who are don't look like us or talk like us or or act like us. They know they need God. I want them to be able to walk into these doors and be warmly and lovingly received. They need to hear the gospel and the gospel is for them. This offended the self-righteous. And they turned on Jesus because he was loving people. He was receiving people who weren't like them. May we be that kind of church. And then third, Matthew chapter 26. Verses 6 through 16. When, when Jesus was at Bethany in the house of Simon the leper, a woman came up to him with an alabaster flask, a very expensive ointment, and she poured it on his head as he reclined at the table. And when the disciples saw it, they were indignant, saying, Why this waste? For this could have been sold for a large sum and given to the poor. But Jesus, aware of this, said to them, 
Why do you trouble the woman? For she has done a beautiful thing to me. For you always have the poor with you, but you will not always have me. In pouring this ointment on my body, she has done it to prepare me for burial. Truly I say to you, wherever this gospel is proclaimed in the whole world, what she has done will be also, will also be told in memory of her. Then one of the twelve, whose name was Judas Iscariot, went to the chief priests and said, What will you give me if I deliver him over to you? And they paid him thirty pieces of silver. And from that moment he sought an opportunity to betray him. Why did the cheers turn to jeers? Because Jesus came to die. He didn't come to become a come to be a political leader. He didn't come to take over. He came to take up. To take up the cross. And here Mary, this is most likely Mary, the sister of Lazarus. She's she's come to um, um, this this um, Simon the leper to his house, and she's brought this very expensive ointment, and she's worshiping Jesus by pouring this ointment on all over his body as an act of worship. And Jesus says she's preparing my body for burial. Judas hears that and he realizes he's not the political leader that I thought he was going to be. And he goes, he goes and he turns Jesus in for 30 pieces of silver. Jesus came to die. Why did he come to die? So that we could shout Hosanna. Jesus had to die so that we might be saved. And so my question to you this morning is, have you come to believe in who Jesus says he is and what he came to do? Do you believe, have you, have you come to the point in your life where you believe that Jesus died for your sin? And three days later, he came out from the grave and is alive today forevermore. And have you surrendered your life to Jesus Christ? Maybe you're here and you're saying, Pastor, I haven't done that yet. And yes, I believe what the Bible says, but I still have some doubt. Someone coming back from life, from from death to life. Yes, that's what the Bible says. And maybe your prayer this morning needs to be like the the demon-possessed boy's father when he said, Lord, I believe. Help me in my unbelief. Jesus can accept that. Jesus can affirm your faith. And as you come to him in that childlike faith, trusting that he died for your sin, And you shout, Hosanna, God, save me now. He'll do exactly that. 
because that's why he came. 